The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you again today, and we sure do live in a challenging time, don't we? Well, that's one of the reasons that we're studying the book of Proverbs, because the book of Proverbs helps us during these times. It helps us during any time, but especially when things are really way off, which, which they are in so many ways. We're in a study where we're talking about wisdom. One writer defines wisdom this way in an old book called Wisdom in Israel. He studied the Proverbs and other uh, books from that era, and he said this, wisdom is becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. Wisdom is becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. We're sure dealing with a lot of reality, even though it seems strange, right? Well, wisdom is how we get through it. And something that we see through the book of Proverbs and indeed all through the Bible is that wisdom is not something you just suddenly get. You're not gonna be wise after this sermon and you're not gonna be wise if you go to the bookstore or go online, because you can't go to the bookstore. If you go online and you pick up a book on wisdom and two hours later, suddenly you're wise, it doesn't work that way. What we see is that wisdom is actually a path. It's not a gate, it's not a door that you open and walk through and suddenly you're wise. Wisdom is a path and to be wise, you have to stay on that path and you make steps one step after another. And the more you're on the path of wisdom in life, the more wise you're gonna be, especially when those times come to actually make the decisions that we make in life that can even make or break us. Wisdom is important, it's a path. Last week, Pastor Randall spoke from Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs is about helping us stay on the path of wisdom and how to get back on the path of wisdom when we've fallen off. There's a lot of subjects in the book of Proverbs. I love teaching from the book of Proverbs. You could do it all year round. And uh, the beginning of the book is instruction giving from a father to a son. It can be translated any way you want to as far as a father to daughter or mother to daughter. It's great advice for kids. But most of the book are these little pithy statements and they're not in any particular order, mostly. They are on a whole bunch of different subjects. They're, so they're about being wise or being a fool, being lazy or being somebody who works hard. Um, they are about life and living life, about family, about hope, about kids, about marriage, about living in general. Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about. And this morning, I wanna to talk to you about a particular subject. I think one that's really important for us, but maybe one that's kind of hard for us to grasp. But if we wanna be wise, we've gotta understand this. The topic is optimism and our inner life. Let me ask you something. Are you optimistic today? Like, how are you feeling about stuff going on? How do you view the future, generally speaking? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Are you different now than you were last February? How are you feeling about what's happening in your family life, in church life, in our country, whatever it is? Are you optimistic? We live in a very negative and pessimistic, cynical time. And on top of all that, it's an election year, right? It's negative. If my opponent wins, he's going to kill you. We're gonna hear that for the next few months. That's the way it's gonna be. It's gonna be a train wreck. That's how it works. You know, why do political campaigns use negative ads and all this negative speak? You know why? Because it works, that's why. If the positive ads worked, we'd just see those, but the negative ads work because we live in a negative, pessimistic society that is motivated so often by fear, fear of the other guy, fear of what might happen. But generally speaking, we see the world this way, but we shouldn't be this way. How are you motivated in this life? Wisdom is knowing the realities of this world and being able to see through it, to be able to see through the fear or the manipulation. 
to not give in to the fear, but to actually make decisions based on the way things really are, to have a true understanding of the universe. You know, the political process, while necessary, it has little to do with how God is saving the world, actually. The fate of the kingdom of God does not depend on what happens in November. And I'm not saying those things don't matter, that you shouldn't participate, but wisdom demands much more. Most of the things in this world are expressed in fear. Some people uh, early on in this crisis said, I don't wanna go to the store and get food because I might get COVID and die, so I'm just gonna stay home and starve to death. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. That's not very wise. We have to find a way. Let's not go to the promised land, they said, because those people are mean and nasty in there. We may not make it. Let's just go back to Egypt and be in slavery. That's not wisdom. That's not optimistic. Here's something that is very, very important for us as Christians. Our faith is expressed in optimism. Christianity is expressed in optimism. We have what we call hope, a hope that cannot be taken away. We call it all kinds of names like blessed hope. It's what we live for. It cannot be taken away by any circumstance, our hope in Jesus Christ. See, if anybody's gonna be optimistic during these days, it's gotta be the Christians. It's gotta be people who believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. It's gotta be people who believe that death has been defeated, that everlasting life is a gift that we get by faith. So you see, optimism is something that's important for us as believers because it's intricate to how we even express our faith. It matters. Optimism is defined this way as a disposition or a tendency to look on the more favorable side of events or conditions and to expect the most favorable outcome. Pessimism, on the other hand, is a tendency to see the worst aspect or things or believe the worst will happen. In Proverbs, you see optimism expressed often as a cheerful heart. In Proverbs 17, it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit is dries up the bones. Proverbs 15, 15, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Proverbs 15, 30, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Which disposition do you think a Christian should have? to be optimistic or pessimistic about this life. Which did Jesus have? You know, optimism is not just cheerful thoughts without reason, all right? We are saved by faith, not good feelings. Our hope is in Christ, not earthly success or even ministry success. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And if you believe these things, then you have everything to be optimistic about, even in times like this. Optimism is not opposed to having realistic expectations, but they have to be realistic. One pessimist I know uh, likes to say that he's not negative, he's just a realist. And I like to say, yeah, you're really negative. You're really a pessimist. See, as believers, an optimist doesn't have to have pie in the sky notions about things. The wise optimist knows that work is necessary to achieve a successful outcome. A true optimist isn't passive about things. He or she knows that hard work must get done and also it has to get done by the right people, not just anybody. But the optimist also believes that, this is not only, that these things are not only possible, but they're probable. The optimist looks out and says, you know what? God's will and God's kingdom is gonna survive. God's kingdom is gonna make the right things happen even as we have to do these, this work. The pessimist believes that no one will do the work or if they do, they're just gonna do a lousy job at it. The pessimist is never for progress or change, just fear and holding on to things that don't work. So I'm not gonna go to the store because I might get COVID, I'll just stay here and starve. And worse, they bring everybody down and they starve those people too. 
We need to be the optimists in our society. We have something to point to. We have an optimist and a realist to point to. His name was Jesus. Jesus had no problem letting his followers know that there will be persecution. He said, the days that are coming are gonna be hard for you. But he also said that the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you believe that the gates of hell are not gonna prevail against the kingdom of God? Jesus does. We have much to be optimistic about. Being an optimist isn't being arrogant about things either. All right, one of my favorite Olympians, his name is Usain Bolt. You know who this guy is? We missed the Olympics this year because of all this stuff going on. And I don't know if he was gonna run again, but Usain Bolt uh, has won the 100 meters and 200 meters the last three Olympics, 2008, 12, and 16. He has world records in the 100, 200, and the four by 100 meters relay. He has eight gold medals. After he won his first Olympic medal in 2008, he was being interviewed on television, and this is what he said. He gets the gold medal and he says, this is why I have come, to cement my legendary status. I laughed out loud. And you know what, he has said that in every single Olympics after that. This is why I'm here, to cement my legendary status. All right, I don't know if that's just a line he uses. Hopefully he's just not like that, you know, with his friends and, and everything. Uh, he, if he does, he needs to tone it down. We're not talking about that kind of optimism. We're talking about the kind that you actually feel in your heart, what your inner life is like, what you talk to yourself about, not what you say to the cameras or not what you even say out loud to your friends. But we're talking about the conversation that you're having with yourself in your head. You talk to yourself? I don't mean like you have a problem, but I mean, do you actually, we all do that. We all have an inner conversation that's going on. We have things that we say to ourselves, and this has an awful lot to do with how we view life, about whether or not we're gonna be optimistic or pessimistic in the decisions that we make. It's the voice in our head. Wisdom is competence with regard to the complex realities of life, and one of the most complex realities of life is that inner voice that you and I have. It's our psychological life. We all at certain times have trouble dealing with things that come into our life and there's a powerful dynamic of impulses and feelings that roll through our hearts at different times when different events happen. And sometimes it leaves us very sad, sometimes very pessimistic, and we seem even hopeless. There's a lot of that happening right now because of everything going on, a lot more than usual. And so often we don't even know what to do about it. Well, you can't be wise, the scriptures say, without understanding the effect of life on your inner, the effect that your inner life has on your entire life. Wisdom puts a priority on your inner life, on that voice. Proverbs 18, 14, a man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, and it means wind, basically. And the idea here of the human spirit, it's the wind in your spirit, it's your emotional energy, it's your zeal for life. It's the things that really make you wanna get up and go. It's, it's when you really feel like yourself, you really feel like this is what you're made for. It's what makes you wanna take on life and seize the day. A crushed spirit is when you look at life and you have no joy in it, and you don't want it to be the same anymore, and you don't even wanna be a part of it sometimes. And there's various degrees of this. Sometimes we just get listless and lazy, but sometimes we get depressed, sometimes even suicidal. It's a huge deal, that thought that we have in our head, our spirit. Proverbs is saying that there is perhaps nothing more important than what you do to maintain your inner being and what you focus it on. Proverbs highly values your inner life, that inner voice. A broken body can, can, be, a broken body can be sustained by a strong spirit. We've all been inspired by people who have 
serious limitations in their physical body or their mental condition and yet achieve great things. We find that very inspiring. That's because their spirit isn't crushed. But the strongest of people, the people who are just in the best shape, if their spirit is crushed, they can't do anything. See, our inner voice, it matters. A crushed spirit cannot be carried by the strongest body of all. And we human beings are consumed with the idea that our happiness is sustained somehow by our external circumstances. Whether or not we have money, how we look, what we drive, how people are treating us, if we're healthy, if we're in control of the situation, all of those things seem to be so determinative as to whether or not we will be happy. But the Bible says that happiness is determined by how we deal with our circumstances on the inside. In Paul's letters, when he writes to the churches, he's writing churches that are having great difficulties in experience. They're experiencing persecution, families being broken apart, people going to jail for their faith, faith, a whole lot worse. And what's interesting is that Paul never prays for protection against the evil circumstances or prays against the government that's, that's making that persecution possible. Instead, this is what he says, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, Paul is writing about that inner voice and how Christ needs to be a part of that. See, if your life is broken, it's not going the way you wanted, but your spirit is strong in Christ, you will move out into the world in strength and optimism and hope. But if things are fine in your life, but you're not rooted in Christ and you have a broken spirit, then you move out into the world in weakness and pessimism. It matters a lot, that inner voice that we have. This is why there's so much instruction about the inner life in the scriptures. And you have to ask yourself, are you far more concerned about depositing grace in your spirit than you are depositing money into your bank account? What concerns you more? If you're not more concerned about the grace in your heart, then you're a fool, Proverbs will tell you, because the money in your bank account can go away. The grace in your heart is yours forever through Christ. Now, it's natural to ask, how do you keep your inner life from deteriorating? Why do we get a crushed spirit? We all face that. We all face it at different times in our life. And the answer is complicated, but the Bible's understanding of the complexity of human nature is more nuanced than any one answer is gonna give, but there's a whole lot in the word of God that helps us with that. And more than any counseling model that is out there, we so often just try to boil things down, right? To some kind of disorder or some kind of event that happened in our life. And then if we can take a pill or if we can forget about that event, maybe we can develop a technology to help us forget traumatizing things in our past. If we can just do that, then we'll be okay. But the life, our life is a lot more complex than that. Our inner voice, there's a lot more that contributes to it. There are many aspects to our inner voice. There's a physical aspect, right? Proverbs 14, 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. The word envy there, some translations put it as passion. It literally means a hot feeling, all right? It can mean anger, bitterness, fear, envy. But the idea here that it's talking about is how you can have that feeling going on and what's happening to you physically because of that inner voice that's dealing with your anger or bitterness or fear or envy is actually rotting your bones. It's causing you physical problems. 
when you are weary, when you don't eat right, when you don't sleep, when you're consumed by things that may not even have anything to do with what your circumstances are really about. It rots your bones and it's coming from your inner conversation. There's an emotional relational aspect to it. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. We all need kind words from the outside to speak to our inner voice. We need encouragement. We need support. We need kindness. You know, a lot of the things that we go through, we don't need therapy. And sometimes we don't even need an answer or an explanation. We just need a kind word. We need encouragement that there is still hope, that there is something that God is, is doing with us, that we are loved. There's a moral aspect to our inner voice also. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked man flees though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. This comes a little bit from uh, Leviticus chapter 26, where God says, if you disobey me, you will flee. And the idea here is talking about our conscience, right? Or guilt that we might have over something. It's part of our inner voice that's speaking to us. You know, what can go wrong in our life if we're not living the way we should? A lot can go wrong because we have a conscience, because we deal with guilt. And the idea here is that sometimes we feel guilty about something and we just flee, we just disappear. We don't deal with it, we, don't, we just disappear. That's our inner voice making that happen. People may not even understand what's wrong with us because maybe nobody even knows what we're going through or what we've been doing. But we leave the church, we leave our friends, we leave our relatives, we leave the closeness of relationships, we leave our closeness with God when we're guilty and we don't wanna deal with it because our inner voice is bugging us about it. You know, when somebody criticizes you, you might feel assaulted and you might wanna run. But when you're guilty of something, you run even though nobody's chasing you. It's a conscience aspect. As human beings, we know that we have an existential problem. Proverbs 14, 13. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and joy may end in grief. You might wanna say that that's about, you know, people who are saying that they're happy on the outside when on the inside, they're really not. But that's not what this verse actually is talking about. It's not talking about some people. It's talking about all of us, all people. And it's profound because it's everybody. And it's basically this. Everybody knows that the party is going to end eventually. All right, death, it's coming and, it's, and everything you want is going to be gone. Isn't that a nice thought? Are you saying right now, why did I tune into this today? Hang in there with me. We're going to get to the healing of our inner voice. But what our verse here is saying is, deep down, we already know that life is temporary. We all get it. And unless you have some way to give meaning to the daily things that you do, you're gonna have problems with your inner voice because we all want to be significant in some way. And when we don't think we're significant, it crushes our spirit. And it, that crushed, crushing of our spirit can cause us physical problems, emotional problems, even moral problems. We start to make bad decisions. We get away from wisdom. We become pessimistic. There's a faith aspect also to our inner life. Proverbs 15, 13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirit. In English, we see heart as emotion, but in Hebrew, it's much more than that. The heart is the core commitments in our life. It's who we really are as a person. It's what you put your ultimate hope into. And your faith gets placed into something, when your faith is placed into something temporal, you get heartache and grief and sadness because it doesn't become what you think it should become. Because everything in our current life, it just never works out the way we think, but we think we're gonna get some kind of significance from it. If I can only get married, if I can only have kids, if I can only get this degree, if I can only make six figures, then I'll be happy. It doesn't really work. But we think it works, we think it develops us as somebody. 
There's an old song about this, a Dean Martin song. You know, it goes like this. You're nobody till somebody loves you. Do I have to pay a royalty for that? I don't know. That's how the song goes. But the reason it's a song that's popular is because the idea that you're nobody until somebody loves you, we're terrified that that might be true. We think our significance is going to come from romance. We think it's going to come from those types of things. And we're going to be, you know, we're heartbroken when our romantic life doesn't work out. But we have a crushed spirit if our entire value as a person is based on that, if our faith is based on those circumstances, then we have a crushed spirit and we can't move on. So where you put your faith, your trust, it matters greatly with your inner life, your inner voice, your ability to be optimistic. Our inner life is complicated because there's a, a, an element, actually the whole thing, it's about solitude, right? Proverbs 14, 10. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. Our inner self is so hidden, so complex. There is an inner solitude that is so unique. It means that others will rarely really understand us the way we understand ourselves. That's why it's so disappointing to be misunderstood and why it feels so great when somebody understands where we're coming from. It's because people can't hear that inner voice. It's also why we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're doing something right when we're actually doing something wrong. Proverbs 16, 2. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. This means that we don't even truly know ourselves as well as the Lord knows us. And the problem here is that if we don't have a relationship with God, who's the only one who knows what's going on in our inner life, then we are truly alone. There's no human being who can really help you interpret everything that you're going through. It's why a relationship to God is so important. Now listen to me, this, this matters. Churches, we do a lot of Bible studies and we study books and we just wanna know a lot of information about God. But if we don't really have that relationship, it's gonna be very hard for us to be wise because our inner life is gonna be lonely. If God is only something that you believe in and he's abstract, if he's not a friend, like the scriptures describe him as, if he's not someone that you really feel is present and there, if you don't really sense that God is with you, then you can be utterly alone in the world. Human beings can't live in that kind of isolation. God is the only one who can walk with you through every dark valley, including a dark valley that you might be going through right now. He's the only one who really understands who you are. He understands who you are more than you do. He understands who you are more than your parents, more than your best friend, more than your spouse. And God is more than a concept. And life is more about being moral and following some kind of religious commands. It's about having a relationship with the living God. It's about truly understanding who God is, that God is real, that he is your friend, that he is personal, that you can actually speak to him and you can listen to him, that we have an encouraging word from him. So how do we fix this? It's hard stuff, but wisdom leads us to the healing of our inner life. When we are on the path of wisdom where God is leading us through his word, it leads us to healing our inner life. It can be very complex, right? We just said that we need a kind word from the outside and we can't heal ourselves. We need someone to come in with love and let, we just said that nobody really understands you. It's complex. We just said that we have a conscience and in years of therapy and being told to stop feeling guilty, you still feel guilty. How do you deal with this? 
What do you do about the angst in the face of death or your heart putting its ultimate trust in something that you can lose? Well, the secret biblically, all the way through the scriptures, Genesis through Revelation is this. It's actually in the idea of the tree of life. The tree of life is mentioned in three different places. It's mentioned three times in the book of Proverbs and you find the tree of life in Genesis and Revelation beginning in the end of history in the book. And then right here in Proverbs, you don't see it anywhere else exactly. In Genesis, the tree of life represents the fullness of life, not just the eternalness or the endlessness of life, but the absolute fulfillment of the greatest desires of being all that you were created to be, the tree of life. But Genesis also tells us that we lost it. Genesis 3 ends by saying we can't get to it, that we're blocked from it. And because we decided to be our own Lord and masters, we lost it. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Why does it say that? You see, the temporal things that we set our hearts on are never going to fulfill us. They're just not. They're not going to fulfill our hope because what we're really searching for, what's really been built into us as human beings, is not searching for something in this life that's going to fulfill us. We're searching for the tree of life that we've been blocked from, but we know about it. There's a, an idea in us that we know there's something more. It's the tree of life. The tree of life image is one of eternal life, but also it's something that we lost and we have a longing for something that we would like to have back that we never had. C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, most people, if they learned how to look into their own hearts, would know they actually want something that cannot be had in this world. The longings that arise in us when you first fall in love or first visit a foreign country or first take up a subject that excites us are longings that no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I'm not speaking of unsuccessful marriages. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. There's always something that we grope at that fades away in reality. See, when people realize that what they hoped for and received in this life didn't deliver, we often look again in the wrong place and we decide, well, I just need a new experience. Sometimes in adultery, we decide we need a new spouse. Sometimes we make terrible decisions about careers and other things because it's just not fulfilling and we think we're gonna get fulfilled in something else. And sometimes we start blaming ourselves, and our internal voice just becomes pessimistic about am I ever gonna find any value and who am I anyway? And then we can become cynical and pessimistic and it destroys our inner conversation. The solution is to realize that Jesus Christ also died on a tree. The New Testament always says this, that he's, that he's died on a tree. And it's kind of an exaggeration. It means wooden cross, right? It's a tree, it's wood. But it's made from a tree. Everyone gets the description of what it means. We learn throughout the scriptures that Jesus was the better Adam. That in the Garden of Eden, where we lost the tree of life, God said, obey me about the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Don't eat it and you will live. And first, the first Adam disobeyed and then he died. And later in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was told, obey me about the tree, the cross, and you will die. It's an interesting thing. You're going to die on that cross. The second Adam obeyed and he died, but later rising again and defeating death. The first Adam, if you obey me, you will live. The second Adam, if you obey me, you will be crushed, the scripture said. And Jesus went through that crushing for us. He went through all of that agony for us. Why? to pay the penalty of the guilt and the spiritual angst, to pay all the cost of everything that your inner voice is worried about, everything that has to do with your circumstances, everything in your guilt, everything that has gone wrong or that you don't think has really gone right, your hope unfulfilled. Jesus paid for that on the cross. 
He paid the penalty for our sins. And he's the only one who fully trusted in the Father and then he got crushed. And that's because for him, the cross was a tree of death, but for him alone, only one payment for sin was needed. And so for him, the tree was death, but for us, the cross is life. It's the tree of life. We can get a taste of that. How do you heal your inner life and be optimistic even in the hardest of times? To the degree that the story of Jesus melts your heart. To the degree that you realize how much you are loved that God would send his only son to die on that cross for you. To the degree that you realize that because Jesus did this, that if you put your faith in him, the tree of life is not something outside of your grasp. Instead, it's being given to you and returned to you. You see, when we really understand this, when we really have this understanding, we turn our heart to what Jesus did. We can have joy that exceeds our circumstances, that is beyond whatever things are going on that create hardship in our life that we have to endure. When we take the gospel and we put it on our spirit, our inner voice, this is what we need. This is how we have healing in our inner voice. You see, the word of God, the gospel, it's the ultimate kind word. It's the ultimate encouragement. It's everlasting encouragements. It's that God loves you so much he sent his son who died in your place and he rose again. And that if you follow him, you're gonna follow him right out of the grave into everlasting life. This is great encouragement, especially when we have so much fear and so much pessimism and so many things that are temporarily things to worry about. The ultimate kind word is the gospel. And all of this should be the hope of our heart. You know, a lot of us are going through extra difficult things and maybe we need to see counselors and I'm not saying there's not value to that. And that the things that we need to do to heal our inner voice, they take a long time. They're not gonna happen right here at the end of the sermon or because you read all the way through the Proverbs. It's just a start. We need others to keep telling us and encouraging us as part of the family of God. Proverbs 15, four, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The world bombards us with deceitful tongues, people spreading fear and accusation of all kinds of things, and it crushes the spirit. But Proverbs 15, 14, the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on folly. If you wanna heal your inner life, you've got to keep in the word of God. You have to have a discerning heart that seeks knowledge, and to have that, you've gotta to go to the word of God, and you've got to surround yourself with people whose tongues bring healing that is a tree of life. And that healing is when other people are speaking the word of the Lord to us. When we're gathered together in our city groups and we're studying the scriptures and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. When we take time on our own to read through the scriptures and to study and to understand who God is and how much he loves us and how much the gospel is true. When we realize that we have a mission and just because the world is crashing around, around us, it does not mean that the kingdom of God has failed. Instead, we have great opportunity to live in it and to share the joy of being a Christ follower, to realize that we can be optimistic and we can share that optimistic with a world that is looking for salt and light. And that salt and light is us in any circumstance. You see, the more that gets into our heart, the more we continue to study the word of God and apply what it means and stay in fellowship with, with encouraging people, optimistic people, the more we minister to people who are, are down and help people put their hope in Christ, the more our inner voice is gonna help us be optimistic. The more our inner voice is going to be encouraging us to keep moving forward even when life gets hard. It's gonna encourage us to know that we are loved even when it seems like we're not. 
it's gonna encourage us to know that hope can never be taken away because our hope comes from a risen savior. Ephesians 3.16, again, Paul says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's how you be optimistic. That's how you heal your inner voice if it's telling you that you're worthless. No, you are worth everything to the Lord who made you and loves you. Some takeaways for today is this. Number one, let God change your inner life. You know, whatever is being established in your heart, when you let God change your inner life, you become more hopeful, more wise. You stay on the path of wisdom, which helps you be optimistic even in the worst of times. Your inner voice will rejoice more than it complains. It will encourage rather than tear you down. And it will praise Jesus and lift you up. And you can do it because you have the Spirit of God to help you. You're not on your own. You are not alone. God knows everything that's going on in your inner voice. And he has sent his spirit to supernaturally help you, to supernaturally draw you to him. Secondly, look at the circumstances of your life, every situation through the lens of eternal life through Christ. Christianity, our faith, it's communicated in an optimistic way that we have a hope that can't be taken away. COVID can't take it away. Racism can't take it away. Government can't take it away. There is always something to be hopeful about and optimistic about. And our message of the gospel cannot be changed or taken away. And thirdly, dedicate or rededicate your life to Jesus. If you're really struggling with this, or maybe you're watching today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, would you take a minute and do that? Or maybe you just need to rededicate and you, you've realized, you know what, I'm dedicated to my wealth or to my education or to my career or to my relationships, whatever it might be. Would you stop and put Jesus as the center focus of your heart? I'm praying that you do that. And if you need to know more about who Jesus is, would you contact us here? You can go to gracecitysd.com slash live stream and fill out the comment card there. We'd love to get back to you and answer your questions and help you get to know this Jesus. To help you admit that, hey, you're not perfect and that you can, but you can have salvation by believing in him and committing to following Jesus Christ. We'd like to help you with that. And you will have hope and a knowledge and a happiness and a joy that transcends all understanding that will be with you your whole life and it will begin to change your inner life. It will begin to influence that inner voice that you have that says, I'm not worth it or I need more or whatever it is you're telling yourself. Instead, it's gonna say, you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ because the Lord has had grace and mercy on you and he loves you. And that whatever your circumstances are, the Lord is with you when you grieve, with you through your heartache and gives you something else to look forward to as you step forward each day taking one step at a time on the road of wisdom. The Lord is with you and he wants you to be around other believers and in communication with other people who are speaking an encouraging word to you, the word of the Lord. Contact us if you'd like to know more. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that 
especially right now, as there are so many things to be concerned about. We have so many worries, so many things that are creating great stress and great anxiety. And many of us are struggling in tremendous ways, maybe worse than we ever have. And whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray that we would recognize that you have not changed, that the kingdom of God is not damaged, that the gates of hell are not going to prevail, that our value and our worth are still the same, that Jesus is still the risen savior and the hope of the world. I pray that that would not be just some academic idea that we subscribe to, but that we would know your presence, that we would know your love, that in our inner voice, as we're talking to ourselves, that we also talk to you and that we hear your word speaking into our life and encouraging us to know that we are loved, to know that we have a mission to love others in your name, to be that salt and light and to be optimistic because we know that you love us and all who believe in you will not perish but have everlasting life and that cannot be taken away. We thank you, Lord, for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.